0: Thanks for tuning in to the Fertility Health Podcast, hosted by renowned fertility specialist Mark Trollis, MD. Each episode features first-hand advice and potential treatment news, tips, and strategies listeners can use on their fertility journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Trollis.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Trollis. And today, I wanted to talk uh, about uh, patient advocacy uh, patients uh, infertility patients just uh, feel lost a lot of times and we don't get the right guidance. Uh, they have to go online to try to get that information and a lot of the things online are obviously not the great greatest sources, so I wanted to get a good source today to talk about how uh, you can uh, be informed uh, and and have a, a good guidance along your journey so well, with me today is Linda Scruggs. Uh, she is an RN, uh, BSN, and then has specialized for almost 15 years in reproductive medicine and women's health. She really uh, sits at the intersection of digital media and clinical services. I love that in her bio. So uh, she's reshaped patient experiences and education at one of the top fertility centers in the country, and she's uh, all about empowering women throughout their family-building journeys. She's also a member, as I am, of the Association for Healthcare Social Media, and she can be found on all social media platforms at UnboxedMom, U-N-B-O-X-E-D-M-O-N. And Linda, welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. Thanks so much. So uh, I wanted to talk to you and, and ask you first, what is your connection with fertility? How did this all come about in your life? So I
0: graduated from nursing school um after um working in corporate um for many years. So I went back to school for nursing and decided to um you know, go into reproductive medicine. Women's health was always an interest, started working at one of the top fertility centers um based in New York City and early on Which, which one was
1: that? Which one was
0: that? R M A of New York. Oh, okay, yes. yeah. Yeah. And so I started working there um, as the primary nurse for one of the, you know, the top physicians and medical director and just realized early on that there were a lot of opportunities to improve patient experience, to improve on communication between patients and clinicians, and by doing that gave the patient's motivation and empowered them. So very early on, I would be tasked with trying to find improvements and solutions And was very self-directed in doing that. And then over the years, um, ended up working as I grew my family and had children, um, worked remotely, um, started working in patient education and uh, reshaping that in the form of e-learning so that it was more convenient in how we delivered it to patients so they would retain the information more, right? And they would actually understand it better so they'd feel better about what they were doing. They felt more in control, like they had an idea of what was going on. And then um, a couple years ago, um, I just went out on my own and started consulting. So I do that now.
1: So let's let's talk there. That. That's a lot of information. So so in the actual fertility practice, what kind of things did you do to improve the patient experience and education? Yeah, sure. So
0: um, a lot of times, and as, as I'm sure you experienced, you know, you kind of hear the same thing over and over. And so you want to go ahead and improve that for patients. And one of the things that you know, we would hear is just that patients either were forgetting some of the information that they were given or they were confused. Um, you know, their their tasked with so much of fertility treatment is on the patient. And I feel like for a long time that wasn't recognized or appreciated. And so patient would grow frustrated with that. And as a nurse being on the cl- clinical side, there'd be a level of burnout in wanting to provide the best level of care, but only having so many minutes in an hour to be able to do so.
1: So, you, so, so what you're saying is, is that uh, fertility clinics uh, sort of burden patients, if you will, with a lot of information that they have to commit to either memory or, or their take home w- without adequate uh, education. Yeah, I think it's just
0: a lot of information. You know, somebody right. comes in and they're expected to self ingest. Um, you know, something like Menopure, that's almost like a chemistry project to them. You know, it has to be mixed, it has to be measured, and now they have to inject. And a lot of them just can shut down and get overwhelmed. And I was good at being able to empathize with that and then be able to break down that information into a very relatable way where it's almost a conversation and just to get them through it. And so that's been, you know, one of my goals and always, you know, putting the patient first putting the patient-centered care first. No matter how great you can be in your statistics and your embryology lab and all those things, at the end of the day, when the patient walks out of of the office, they want to feel important. They want to feel like they've been heard. They want to feel well cared for. And that's always been where I've served
1: patients well. So how much do you think should be discussed at the initial visit? You know, as a physician, we're sort of pressured – to try to give the patient as much information as they could have right. uh, in, in, their, in their time. But, right. you know, you start seeing that they're, you're losing them because it's information overload. So I, it's always a fine line, and I've always had trouble with that, and I'd be interested to hear what you had to say is how much do you really go over at the first visit, or is it more of uh, getting to know each other and building a relationship? I, I, I've always struggled with that.
0: I agree with you. I think it's one of the trickiest parts. I think that you have to read the patient to see what they have um, in terms of the tools they're equipped with to handle that level of information and dial it accordingly. But I do think that there's a certain point where a patient will get glazed over after five minutes and cannot absorb that much more information. And so they'll They'll feel kind of overloaded, they'll feel overwhelmed, and they'll walk out of there thinking, okay, I I understood some of that, but I'm not really sure. And then a lot of times that goes to then the nurses. So as a nurse, I'd be able to help break that down. I think the trick is to offer as much as they seem to be willing and what their desire is to receive, but then be able to back it up with providing them that education in another format, whether it's social media, whether it's your website, whether it's Marketing materials that you're able to give them, to paper form, you know, hard copy, or being able to follow up with emails that you provide to them, so that it's being delivered in different ways to them, so that they can absorb it all together.
1: What do you, excellent uh, excellent suggestions! What do you think uh, that the fertility patient is looking for on their first visit?
0: I think they are absolutely looking for a way to develop trust in that healthcare provider and feel like they're in a relationship. I think it's such an intimate type of healthcare that's being provided that I think in the initial visit, that's really the biggest factor. And that's just based on you know talking to patients privately for so many years where they really just open up and I'll say to them right away, you know, we're gonna become fast friends. There's nothing off limits. We're gonna have a conversation as if we're just two friends meeting in a coffee shop. Um, I, I appreciate, you know, you know obviously as a physician, you have a lot of knowledge and all of those things, but if the patient can't understand it, it doesn't really make them feel empowered. I think it makes them feel fear. And so it's a way of activating that patient to be able to go, okay, I trust this doctor. I understood a por- portion of what they were saying. They're going to take good care of me.
1: I have found, Linda, that the first visit, invariably, a woman is fearful that, I'm going to tell her, I'm sorry, you're never going to be able to be a mom. Right, right. And that, that to me, is paralyzing uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so you're looking to reboot, if you will, that, that sure. mindset. They're coming there very afraid uh, and fearful that their arms will be empty the rest of their life.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that that's why a good portion of especially the initial visit maybe doesn't need to be so clinically focused as it needs to be psychologically empowering for them. They're there. They're going to need somebody else's help. So they're already feeling a loss of control. And what are their, you know, the statistics and the odds and all those things. Some people will attach to that and hold really tight to it. And some of them just want to know, here's what we're going to be able to do based on your factors and just that personalized sense of care that it's not just a cookie cutter one protocol fits all but it's going to be catered to them.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Fertility Health Podcast. I'm your host Dr. Mark Charles, and I wanted to take a few seconds and share some exciting news with you. My new book, The Fertility Doctor's Guide to Overcoming Infertility, Discovering Your Reproductive Potential and Maximizing Your Odds of Having a Baby is now available for pre-order on Amazon. It's a long title, but I assure you that's because there is so much great information and insight packed within the only general guide to infertility written by a medical doctor who specializes in the subject, that's me. This book has been a labor of love and I can't wait to share it with you all. So give yourself the best possible odds for getting pregnant and having a baby with this concise and encouraging companion available on Amazon for pre-order today. Now back to the episode. Yeah, how long does a patient ideally want the first visit?
0: I genuinely think that if a if a visit goes over thirty or forty five minutes, it's no longer productive for the patient or for the or or for the clinician who's very busy.
1: Does that include the exam and ultrasound?
0: No. I think the sitting down discussion should not be more than 30 or 45 minutes. But I think the ultrasound and the exam is separate from that.
1: Separate from that. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. So what have you learned, Linda? I mean, you're doing this 15 years. Mm-hmm. You're, you're assisting patients, guiding them, holding their hand during their journey. What have you learned uh, uh, during this time?
0: I mean, I've learned a lot about human behavior and emotions. And how that really can impact the overall view more so than almost anything else of how somebody perceives their own journey, whether it's family building or anything else. And I think a lot of that comes through the way things are communicated. Is it communicated um, with, with a positive energy or you know positive vibe, which I'm big on? I just did a whole thing about that on social media, on Instagram. Is it communicated with success stories? without hyperinflating hope, but by really keeping that in the forefront, you have to have hope to be able to go through these things. And really being realistic and being completely upfront and transparent. I think the more transparency that's given between the clinicians and patients, the more it breeds trust, and that more that trust develops the relationship.
1: So do you think that either patients are getting uh, self Self uh, determined uh, unrealistic expectations, or that, or and or the clinic is not necessarily being as transparent on the actual take home baby rate.
0: Well, it's hard to say because there's so many variables, right? So, I think in being able to, you know, patients want a specific answer can I get pregnant? How long is it going to take me? They want answers, and I think the reality is, and I've said this for so many years there's sometimes not an exact answer. Like if you want to make a cheesecake and you have all the ingredients for that cheesecake, that cheesecake's only going to come out perfectly if it's cooked properly, all of the ingredients are put together well, and then the person who's who's managing the cheesecake, who's, cooking, who's baking it, is paying a lot of attention. And I think that reassuring them, giving them attention, providing real transparent options for them um, is where the key you know where 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 the truth really lies I think for them is they want the honesty um, it's been it's difficult in fertility. there are times when there's a line there's a fine line between is it realistic? are there other options that need to be discussed you know age factors all of these things when it's idiopathic there it's it's trickier sometimes for the patients, but I think talking through it with them and being able to spend the time to just relate to them and where they are, everybody wants to accomplish the same goal for them and they give them a healthy outcome, a successful pregnancy and a beautiful, healthy baby. Um, But I think that there's a lot of variables that the way that's communicated can be um, kind of the the key holder for, for how the patient experiences that. And I think patients are online by nature right now. Um, I don't think that's going to change ever. I think that social media is where they're all chatting together. I can't tell you how many times I've had a patient in a private forum on a Facebook group get told by another patient that maybe the reason they had that miscarriage is because they weren't taking baby aspirin. And then that patient goes back to the doctor or talks to the nurse and says, but well, why didn't you put me on baby asking? It just wasn't, wasn't needed. There wasn't a valid reason. They don't know the, the clinical background behind it, but they heard it online.
1: Right. So, so it I think brings more...
0: the...
1: I'm sorry. I am going to say this is great information. It brings me to the point of what, in your mind, is the value of social media. I've, I've been speaking to a lot of my colleagues and, and other experts in this area, and I wanted to get an understanding from you, Linda, is to what do you think patients are looking for uh, with social media and what is the responsibility of the healthcare provider using social media?
0: I think there's a great responsibility. I think what they're looking for is a clear,
1: concise
0: communication of learning more, so getting educated, feeling empowered, having communication, seeing some levels of success and things that will help motivate them and a way for them to feel like they can relate to the experience they're going through and the people that they're
1: trusting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, you know, in some way, it, it's, it, it's, uh, un, um, it, it's an unlocked time for people to be able to get so much information and unprecedented access to their yeah. healthcare providers. But yeah. it's also a time where everybody in the world can be, uh, can chime in to providing advice and it can really be overwhelming uh, for, the, for certainly the new fertility patient, so uh, I, I think it's it's clearly a, a, ma- a major responsibility, and I'm, I'm happy that, that you're part of the same society that I am. I, I'm looking to learn more things about how to use social media. I, I know you post a lot on empowering patients. I try to do the same, mm-hmm. and it's um it's such a uh, it's, it's it's indescribable. I mean, I, I you know my story is well known about ten years of infertility, and yeah. It's, it's um, very much, as I've said, it's like cancer, that kind of diagnosis. Uh, you are, you are uh, in, a, in a place that you never thought you'd be. You feel like you're in the, an abyss, uh, and, and you just don't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. And the only cure is a baby in your arms, and unfortunately, that's not, that, that, that is not going to happen for everyone. Right. So uh, switching over to the unexplained infertility. Do you think that, that patients feel they are being pushed more toward aggressive therapy, uh, possibly prematurely, or is it that, you know, the, the less than 35 year old at 12 months, uh, midnight, I need to get on fertility treatment because it hasn't happened? You know, is, is, it, a, is it a combination? You know, that, I'm just interested in hearing what you all have to say. I know patients are devastated, of course, but if a patient conceives uh, and takes a little bit longer it, without fertility medication, that's actually a win-win. They, they spend exactly. less, and going to be less stress. So where is this wh- where is this opinion coming from? I, I see it a lot and patients say that, well, my doctor's pushing me to this and, and possibly going to huh. that. And is that is that something coming from the doctor? Is the doctor picking up the vibe from the patient to say, hey, we need to do something here? I can just tell you before you answer that, when I tell a patient that uh, maybe you could just wait a little bit longer, um, that isn't always just received as well. Uh, they, really right. just, they, they want to have, uh, they want to know that they're doing something. What are you hearing?
0: I think the messaging is changing, in my opinion, over the years. I think back five, ten years ago even, there was a little bit of that being pushed um, maybe a little bit aggressively at times where the patient felt like they weren't really steering it. I think now there's more of a collaborative effort that's felt. And I think there's so many more options now that it seems to me, and we're not going to get into insurance, I assume, where, you know, you have to go through three cycles of an IUI before you can get covered for IVF or what, you know, all those kind of factors. But I think that patients in general, I think millennials want more of a wellness factor, want to feel more involved and are not willing to just hand over their bodies to say, I want a baby as soon as humanly possible. I think they do want their options. I think it's just a matter of having realistic options and communicating that so that it's fully understood. You know, here's the reality of, you know, based on what the desire is, based on what the responsibility is, and based on what we can actually do, here are the choices. But I think patient choice is a huge factor for empowerment, and I think that's grown significantly. I think back in the day, you'd go into a consult, and it would kind of be okay. This is your age. These are your factors. here are what we should probably do. And now I think patients kind of, you know they want to be able to have a conversation with their doctor where they don't feel like they're just being told. They feel like they're being heard, and that they're a part of that decision.
1: Linda, in our remaining moments, speak to patients uh, as a way of helping them prepare for their first visit. What what do you tell them uh, of uh, how to be ready for that first visit? What type of things to bring? What type of questions to ask? Those, those types of things. That's a great question.
0: I am. It's easy for me because I am one of those people that feels better with more information. So I try to go based on like the person who walks in and just wants to know everything possible. Um, you could kind of describe it as type A. And so what I usually say for patients is that write down a list of questions that are most important and make sure that if there's 10 questions that are most important, that those are answered and go with your gut feeling of how you feel after you've ta- you know, you've talked and you've met and go through, obviously the, the clinical side of things, what the concerns are, but really go into that appointment, deciding what's most important. If priority is timing, you, you know, you woke up, you've been career driven and you've decided that you need to be pregnant as soon as humanly possible. Let that be known. Don't shy away from having these difficult conversations. If it's more of, I'm afraid how this is going to, you know, impact my relationship with my partner, and we're not in such a rush, but we're just scared, well, then there's a discussion to be had about, okay, here's, here, here are some of the options. So I think having some way of, of guiding the conversation based on what they bring to the table, based on what you can provide, is, is where it can be a, a productive and great birth consultation. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out the IVFcenter.com for all the notes, links, and tips mentioned in this episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please press the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't miss a future episode. And if you haven't given us a review or rating on iTunes yet, consider leaving a five-star review to help us reach and educate even more individuals in need. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.